Thank you for listening to today's message. Avenue Church is a Christian church located in Las Vegas. For more information, visit avenuechurch.cc. Enjoy the message. I love that video. Sometimes my son and I, who's six years old, we watch America's Funniest Home videos together. And he's like, Mommy, I'm laughing. And when they fall, I go, it's okay to do it on TV, but don't laugh in person, honey. Go hug somebody. Make sure they're okay. Well, good morning. Welcome to Avenue Church. I'm so glad that you guys are here today. Can you believe it's already 2018? I look at 2017. I think, man, that went by so incredibly fast. And I love the new year. Because the new year brings a sense that I can try something over. I can do something again. I have another opportunity, another shot at something. And so I'm excited that we're kicking off our series, Let's Try This Again. Because how many of you have ever said something or have done something that you wish you could have done differently? You did something and immediately afterwards you're like, oh, I shouldn't have done it that way. I I pictured it coming out so much different. Or you said something and words come flying out and you wish you could put those words right back where they came out of right after you said it, but, but you can't. But what I love about our Lord and Savior is that we get do overs. And not just one time, not just two times, we get the opportunity over and over again to let's try that again. So our hope for this series is that if you're here today, and you feel that I've done too much, or I've slipped up too much in that area that God's done with me with that. It's not true. God is still moving. God is still working. If you've got breath in your lungs, you still have days to live and days to get things done for Jesus Christ because he loves you and he's got a plan for your life. So we are excited about that. I want to take you to what is probably my most favorite story in the Bible. We're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 18. So if you've got your Bible, you can open up. I'm a paper girl. I like to carry a paper Bible. But if you are like my husband and you are all techie, good for you. Go ahead and tap on that version app on your Bible and flip over or scroll down over to 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to be talking about the prophet Elijah. Let me pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. And I thank you for everything that's in your word and that it's going to change our lives, God, today. So I pray that you would give us a heart to receive it. I pray that you would give us ears to hear it and a mind, God, that understands what you want us to do with what we are learning. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the great church family we have here. And I ask you to bless this message in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So let me set up this story for you. In this portion of scripture in the Old Testament, there is King Ahab, and he is the king over Israel. Now, Israel are these chosen people of God. If you remember the exodus from Egypt, this group of people were released from horrific conditions. They were enslaved, they were entrapped, and God set them free and said, I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my people. And so now you fast forward years later, you've got Ahab. He is king over these people, but he's married to a lady named Jezebel. Now, let me take a moment and tell you how important it is to decide who you are going to marry. That is probably the second most important decision of your life. Number one is, do I have a relationship with Jesus? That's the most important decision. But the second is, who do I spend my life with? Who do I unite my life with, my visions, my dreams, my values? Because see, King Ahab was supposed to be a devout follower of God. He was supposed to be a man who would honor the Lord with all that he is, but he married a woman who did not carry the same values. 
In fact, this woman didn't even worship the same God. This woman worshiped false gods, idols, and we're going to learn about that. So man, he had a rough marriage. And that woman was an influencer. And so you have these children of God, these children of Israel, and you have these leaders and these prophets. And what she's doing is that if you worship the true God, if you worship the God who's not my God, she is actually killing people. She's pushing them aside and she's working out that worship to go out of this place. And so then we got Elijah. Elijah is amazing. And you're going to see why this is my favorite story. See, Elijah is a prophet. And you say, well, Pastor Lindsay, what's a prophet? You see, a prophet would be someone who was anointed, who was called, who was separated by God to be able to be the messenger. So that means if God had a message, he wanted to say something to a king or he wanted to give a word to a group of people, he would call on a prophet, and the prophet would be the delivery person of that message. You ever had to give a message for somebody? You ever been told, hey, go tell so-and-so they're fired? That's a rough day. Come on, somebody. You are just, where do you think we got shoot the messenger from? It is rough to be the person to deliver the message. But in this case scenario, Ahab was going to get a great message from God, and that message was going to be that rain was coming. You see, when Ahab was ruling over Israel, there had not been rain for three years. You're talking over a thousand days without a drop of water coming from the sky. Do you know in Las Vegas, it has been 115 days since we've had rain? Come on, somebody. I smelt it outside. It's coming. It's coming. But it has been since September 13th that we have had a drop of rain. 115 days. But imagine over a thousand. You've got livestock dying because there's no grass to eat. You've got no harvest. You have no plants. And so livelihood is going down, and there's a great famine in the land. But God is doing something. And so God tells the prophet Elijah, I want you to go to King Ahab and tell him that rain is coming soon. I want you to think about how great of a message that would be to receive. That maybe you feel in a place of hopelessness. You feel in a place where nothing is happening and there's no movement and there's no change. And you're stuck in this famine, this darkness. But God is saying, it's coming. Your breakthrough's coming. And so Elijah gets told to tell us. He says, okay, God, I'll go speak to him. Well, Elijah's a prophet of God and Ahab's married to Jezebel. And so when Elijah shows up on the scene, you ever had to go tell something to somebody you don't really like? See, Ahab looks at Elijah, doesn't even wait for him to say anything. He says, oh, you troubler of Israel. Now hear me, we've all been in a position where we had to go say something to somebody that we don't like. And maybe you're like me, you've done the pep talk in your mind that I'm just going to say what needs to be said. I'm just going to do what needs to get done. And we're not going to cross words. It's going to be okay. Come on, somebody. We just got past the holidays. It's going to be okay. We've had this conversation with ourselves. But apparently it's not going to be okay because Elijah doesn't even tell him there's rain coming. He says, you're calling me, O troubler of Israel. And so check out what Elijah responds. I have not made trouble for Israel, but you and your father's family have. So now it's getting personal because he's talking about his daddy. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and you have followed the Baals. That's a false God. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet at Mount Carmel. Carmel. Let's take a moment. Those who are fasting, Carmel. Not in my notes. You're welcome. But he says, bring the 450 prophets of Baal and bring the 400 prophets of Asherah. That's another false God. And I want you to gather them all together. See, we're about to have a schoolyard fight 
is what it seems like. Like, I imagine, oh, you call me troubler of Israel. I picture ladies taking their earrings off, men taking off the stuff, taking the jacket off. Oh, did you? (laughs) I remember when I was in high school, see, fights didn't go down at school because you could get expelled. So if you were doing the trash talking during the day, you were going to meet at the Mormon church across the street because there your school didn't have jurisdiction. So they're saying, meet me at Mount Carmel because it's about to go down. And not only is it about to go down between me and you, Ahab, it's going down between me and 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah. And I want you to tell all the people to come. You may have been one of those people who watched the fight. Just saying, in my high school days, we didn't have cell phones with video cameras, but you know there's a crowd coming. And so Elijah goes to the people because now they're rallying. And so you got to love Elijah because I'm thinking, you are one person, friend. It's easy when you can trash talk when you've got friends behind you, right? But he comes up to the people of Israel, these people who are supposed to be God's chosen people. It's like you look at this group and you say, your ancestors walked through the Red Sea dry, perfectly unharmed. They did miracles you had. They were given the promised land. Like, this is their heritage. This is what they came from. They had a lot to be proud of. And they had a lot to look back and say, wow, look at my God. But Elijah pulls them forward and says, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? Basically, what the man is saying, you've got one foot over here with Baal and Asherah, and you've got one foot over here with Jehovah, the one true God. Who do you follow? Who do you serve? So if, if someone was going to say that today, they'd be like, hey, you've got one foot in this culture and you've got one foot in church. What are you doing? What, what, you're one like this on Saturday, but you're this on Sunday. Who do you follow? Who do you believe in? And so the people were silent, Scripture says. They didn't have an answer. They didn't have an excuse. They were simply silent. So I think of Elijah The people who should have been with you, supporting you, loving and serving and honoring the God that you were standing up for, they were silent. I don't know about you if you've ever felt like the odd man out. If you've ever felt like you're the only one at work that believes in Christ or you're the only one in your family that honors the Lord and everyone's looking at you like, why aren't you participating in what we participate in? And you're like, because God changed my life. And so here's Elijah and it's about to go down. Now you're about to see that sarcasm is biblical. And for some of you, you think it's a gift from God. It's not, but it's biblical because it's in the Bible. I'm going to show it to you. Because here's what Elijah does. He says, all right, guys, we want to see who's the real God, right? We want to see if Baal's God or my God, the true God is God. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to get two bowls, B-U-L-L-S. You're going to get a bowl. I'm going to get a bowl. You're going to get some firewood. I'm going to get some firewood. See, they're about to have a sacrificial barbecue. So here's what's going to take place. He said, you're going to chop up your bowl. I'm going to chop up my bowl. We're going to put it on wood. And whosoever God lights the fire, meaning I'm not giving you propane. You're not getting kerosene. You're not getting lighter fluid. You're not even getting a match or a rock to light that. It's going to be whosoever God lights that fire, then we'll know whose God is God. And then see, Elijah's not just sarcastic. He's a gentleman. So he said, you can go first. And so the the prophets of Baal, these 450 prophets of Baal, they chop up this bull and they put it on the wood. And it says they began in the morning. And so they're walking and dancing around their their altar. I'll spare you. I'm not going to do that for you. And they are saying, Baal, light this fire. Baal, worship you. We love you. You are the God. Show us Baal. Show us Baal. 
Well, Elijah's pretty patient because now it's noontime, Scripture says. But this is where we see the sarcasm. So here you've got 450 people and you've got one. The odds are not forever in your favor, right? Just looking from the outside, like 450 and one. And he goes, hey, guys, why don't you shout a little louder? Maybe your God is deep in thought and he can't hear you. Do you know that some translations say that maybe your God's going to the bathroom and you need to shout a little louder? Have you ever been in the bathroom? You run out of toilet paper or something. You're like, hello. Right? Basically, that is what he is saying, that your God is going potty. Not only that, he says, maybe your God is sleeping and you need to wake him up. Again, I'm thinking, Elijah, you're one person and you are smack talking like you are an army. So this goes on at noon. It says at noon that they shouted louder. They cried louder. They began to cut themselves and scream out, Baal, Baal. We think that cutting has just been a trend in the past 20 years. No. Cutting has been around for centuries and centuries and centuries. And I want you to know that a God in heaven, a true loving God, will never want you to harm yourself to get his attention. A God in heaven who died for you, who was cut and bled for you, never wants you to do something destructive to your body to get attention from him. He loves you. He made you. That's not part of who he is. And so finally, Elijah says, okay, you've had like eight hours. It's my turn. And the Bible tells us, I want to go real quickly to this in verse 32. It says that Elijah said to all the people, actually go back two verses, come here to me. They came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. I want you to know that an altar in that day was a place where people could go to pray. It was a place that people could go to worship. It was a place where people could connect to God, but it had been torn down. No one was having this relationship with the Lord. No one was talking with God and communing with God the way that God wanted it to be with his people. And so Elijah says, come here, I'm not going to be mad at you, come here. I know that you have not been serving, talking, praying, or loving God. But I want to help you rebuild this. And so right in their presence, he rebuilds the altar again. And he begins to say a prayer that God would show himself to them. He would show themselves. It says that he ranged the wood. He cut the bowl into the pieces. And he said to them, fill four large jars with water. This is what's so funny. I'm like, you are cocky. And so Elijah doesn't just say, you have no fire from your God. I'm going to drench the wood on my altar. Because how many of y'all know, wet wood does not burn. And so I'm going to do it one time. No, 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 no. I need you to go fill up some more jars two times. No, 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 no. It's not enough. Three times those jars are poured out. So this wood is soaking wet. And then he shows and says this prayer, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob or Israel, let it be known today that you are the God in Israel, and I am your servant, and I have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so that these people will know that you are Lord, you are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. And verse verse 38 says, then fire fell, the Lord fell, and he burned it up. The sacrifice, the wood, the stones, anything around it was completely vanished. It was burnt up. And it tells us that the people all laid out on the ground and just said, God, you are the one true God. You are the living God. You see, when God does a miracle, 
whether it's in your life, in your family, at a church, he doesn't just do it for you. Hear me, he loves you and he wants to bless you. He wants to heal you. He wants you to have a breakthrough. But he does miracles so that people can glorify that the one true living God is still living. He's still active. He is still on the move. Even in 2018, God is still doing things. And so the story concludes with Elijah rounding up the bad guys. Because now I'm thinking, what would you be thinking? You got one person. Your God just showed himself to be all-powerful and true. And you got 450 bleeding, disappointing people over here. Says he rounded them up, took them in the valley, and they were killed. They were eliminated. That's a victory. That is quite the act of courage for one person to stand up and be used by God in such a mighty and powerful way. See, we all experience victories. Victories are for us to have, just so you know. As a child of God, when you give your heart to Jesus, it says that God becomes your heavenly father. And as your heavenly father, there is a victorious life for you to live. What is victory? Think about ball games. Think about that winning shot, that winning touchdown. Victory is for you. But hear me, although there are victories, failures are inevitable. Everyone fails. Everyone's going to experience failure. And I know that could be a difficult thing to accept, especially if you are an achiever. You take a lot of pride in what you accomplish. See, and I love, I love what we do here at Avenue because we, we find out what your personality is, what your gifts are, what your strengths are. My top three strengths, number one is strategic. I'm always thinking. I'm always plotting and planning and putting things together. Number two is achievement. I got to get her done, right? I have to accomplish something. And number three is responsibility, so I own it when I'm accomplishing. Do you know how hard that is for someone like me to fail? Do you know how hard it is when I find my worth and my value too often in what I'm able to accomplish, but yet failure is inevitable. Everybody fails. And you might be saying, Pastor Lindsay, why are you talking about failure? Because Elijah just kicked their tail. Elijah just wiped the floor with the prophets of Baal. There was no failure. Yes, there was. And I'm going to get to that because I want to show you that Elijah does end up having a failure. See, sometimes after your greatest victories, you can be set up for one of the hardest challenges. And that is what Elijah is about to experience. But failure can be a great teacher if you let it. See, we can learn from our mistakes. Failure is much greater. It's a much greater teacher than successes. Failure causes self-reflection. It causes us to evaluate ourselves in this situation. It produces humility if we let it. See, pride doesn't want to admit that we failed. But if we admit and take responsibility for it, humility can rise up in us. It builds endurance. It thickens our skin. It causes us to think outside the box that if it didn't work this way, maybe there's another way and we get creative. See, failure leads to repentance. When we make mistakes, God wants us to own that mistake and repent. And when we repent, if done properly, it can make our relationships even stronger. It can make our career even stronger. It can make life even more enduring because we're able to learn from our mistakes. See, John Maxwell is a, a leadership guru, and, and this is what he says about failure. When we fail at something, it's easy to blame someone or someone, something else. 
perhaps the circumstances or the people that we worked with. But failure is a learning opportunity. If I blame someone else, I'm cheating myself out of that lesson. Responsibility is more important than reputation. Think about it. If you're a parent, you want your child to make, take responsibility for that action. You don't want an excuse. You don't want them blaming someone. You're not labeling them as a failure, but you're saying this was done wrong. This was a mistake. This is not how it's going to be done in the future. Let's learn from this. See, failure, we're not branded as a failure. Just because I'm failed at something, I have failed, does not make me a failure. You know what failure is? Failure is not falling down. It's refusing to get back up. Failure is not falling down, but it's refusing to get back up. See, Proverbs 24, 6 says that the righteous man, you and I are righteous, we're called by God righteous, that he falls seven times, but he what? He get backs up. He gets back up. And so what happens with Elijah? Lindsay, why are you talking about failure with Elijah? What's the story? Well, see, Jezebel found out what Elijah had done. And so now she's got a message for Elijah. And she tells her messenger, you tell Elijah that what he did to my prophets, I'm going to return it to him. I'm going to do the same thing that he did to my people. I'm going to do it to him. And it tells us here that Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. I'm thinking, Elijah, you just stood up to 450 prophets of Baal. You just stood up against 400 prophets of Asherah. You looked people in the eye and said, who do you serve? You were victorious on the mountain, but now you're running away because someone, an individual, a woman, flesh and blood has threatened your life. It says he ran for his life, and when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. And while he was by himself, he went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom brush, which is a, or a bush, it's a tree. He sat down under and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. Everybody fails. For every high, there's an opportunity for, to have a low. For every mountaintop moment, there's a valley to go through. And what I want us to take from today is that, yes, you can be that courageous person, that victorious person standing up against the enemy, but you're also going to have to be the person who learns the correct response to failure. Because we're saying, let's try that again. We're saying you are not defined, you are not labeled, you are not branded by what you have done. You're branded by Jesus Christ who loves you. He says, you are mine and I have a future in store for you. If there is breath in your lungs, I got something for you. There's purpose in your life. Failure is not falling down. It's refusing to get back up. And here we have Elijah refusing to get back up. What I want us to do for just the next few moments, I'm going to say some key words. And I want us to reflect in our own lives that if I am resonating with these words, if what I say is, is a reflection of how we're acting, then I want us to be, take an honest evaluation of it. Because we might have a problem with failure, meaning we might be stuck after a failure, after a mistake, or after a hardship if we are doing comparison if we're playing the comparison game. See, we're either measuring your failure against those of others, or we're convincing ourselves that 
the circumstances were harder than theirs, so it's okay that I made this mistake. In 1 Kings 19.9, God asked Elijah, what are you doing here? Why are you here? You see, Elijah had ran into the wilderness, and then he kept going on, and God's like, what are you doing? And he begins to tell the Lord that I have zealously followed you. I have passionately obeyed your commands. I've been zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites, you know your other kids over there, they've rejected your covenant. They torn down your altars. Like God doesn't know. Have you ever had a kid snitch on another kid and you're like, I'm the parent, I know what happened? And so he's saying they torn down your altars and they they put your prophets to death with a sword and I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And so he starts playing this comparison game that I'm not as bad as these guys. God, I'm zealous for you. And yes, I'm here wanting to, to end my life, but it's because all your other kids aren't doing what's right. What about rationalization? We're telling ourselves and others that we have a good reason for not getting past our hurts or our mistakes. There's a reason we rationalize in our mind and we make up this excuse why, why I don't have to move past my pain or, or my mistake. Isolation. You pull back and you keep yourself separate from others. Do you know that Elijah, it shows it clearly that he did this and it's wrong. It says he got to the end and he said, servant, you stay here. I'm going to go on this journey by myself. God doesn't want you to isolate yourselves. God doesn't want you to go through the time after a failure or during a failing moment. He does not want you to do that solely by yourself. Now hear me, there's moments that I need to get along, alone with God. There's moments where I need to be by myself and collect my thoughts. But if I isolate myself and if I push people away, that is not what God intended for you to do. So think about it. Elijah is sitting under a tree and he's telling God, I just want to die. And I know that there's people in this room who've said that very thing to God. God, I'm done. I don't want to wake up from this nap. Can I just go to sleep and not wake up here? Imagine if he would have had somebody else with him. We all need people that when we're in those broken moments, to tell us who we are. Remind us that God is still in control and there's still more to be had. What about regret? We're getting stuck lamenting or trying to fix things that can't be changed. We're regretting things. Hear me. God wants you to repent. God wants us to take responsibility for our failures and our mistakes, but he doesn't want you to live in it. God never called you to put on a burden of your mistakes. No, he took on that burden. The Bible tells us to cast our cares upon Jesus because he cares for us. So if you're holding the weight of a mistake that you made 10 years ago and you are still struggling with that burden, that's not what God has for you. God wants to take that thing off you today because regret is not for the Christian life. What about bitterness? You feel like a victim. Pity party table for one. Elijah was just one. You feel like a victim and you're blaming others for your negative outcomes. It's not what God has for us. So how are we supposed to respond to failure? Because remember, we're all going to fail. We have all failed. The Bible tells us that every single one of us falls short of the glory of God. That means that we made a mistake somewhere along the line. 
I made mistakes yesterday. I'm probably going to make mistakes this week. We all fail and slip up. But this is what God would have liked for Elijah. It says he went and took a rest. God wants you to rest. You need rest. To the individual that has been working week after week and you have not taken time off, rest. I remember a pastor once told me, Lindsay, the most godly thing you could do right now is take a nap. (laughs) Because we all need a recharge. We all need to realize that in our humanity, you need a break. You may feel like you're Thor. You may feel like you're Hulk, but you got a limit to your abilities. You need to rest. You need food. (sighs) Food. What I love about this story is that Elijah says this to God, I pray that I, I, don't, I don't wake up. I pray that you take my life, that I'm done. And the Bible says that immediately, see, when you are in a dark moment, immediately God is with you. Immediately God is working. And it says immediately an angel of the Lord came to Elijah and he woke him up. And when he woke up, there were some hot coals in the middle of a desert. Come on, somebody. There was no kitchen around. There were no homes to go collect something from. There was no takeout delivery boy to deliver it. There were hot coals right by his body. And on those hot coals, God had been making some baked bread. If it was 2018 for me, that would be like a Papa John's pizza right there. Mm. Yes. And so God gave him food. Some of you are tired and you are hungry, physically hungry. You need to take a break and eat some food. My husband would always tell me, don't have a hard conversation with Lindsay. If she's hungry, she gets hangry. But what about spiritual nourishment? Some of us are trying to come out of a failing moment, out of a mistake, and we're wanting to be strong. We're wanting to get back up again, but we're not nourishing ourselves with the things of God. We're not reading our Bible. We're bypassing that in the morning and just going straight on to what we need to do. We're not taking time at the end of the day to, to pray and, and say, God, I need you to reflect, to, to open our word. Then, no, no, I just, I just need sleep. I just need to sleep. And you realize, how long has it been since I have tapped into the things of God? How long has it been since I have fed my spirit, fed my soul? Because you're hungry. And then purpose. You need purpose if you're trying to bounce back from a failure. You need to know that God's not done with you. I love this. When God asked Elijah, what are you doing here? Why are we having this pity party table for one? What is going on? And he says this whole spiel. And God says, I'm not done with you yet. There are kings that need to be anointed. There's a prophet that needs to be raised up. And guess what, son? The job is yours. I've got work for you to do. So if you are sitting here today at Avenue Church on June 7th, 2018, and you are thinking that God has nothing for me to do, I've got nothing on the agenda for 2018, I'm telling you, you're wrong. God has something for you to do. He created you on purpose, with the purpose, to make a difference in this world, and you're going to be better for it. God's got great things ahead for you, and you've got to tap into that. And last is people. Get around people. If you are going through a difficulty and you're coming out of that valley or you want to come out of that valley, you need people to be with you. Just imagine, Elijah just should have had somebody. I said, I'm going to let you take a nap. 
but we're going to get back up again. Elijah, do you know just what was accomplished just before this? Elijah, you've done great things for God. Elijah, God loves you. He uses you. He's got a plan for you. I need you to get up. We need people in our lives that when I'm too broken, when I feel that I've gone too far away from God, that there's going to be somebody to tell me I'm worthy of coming back. I remember one day there was a young lady in our church, and I had been reaching out, reaching out. with was slam door, slam door, and finally, I, you know, I showed up at her house. Uh, completely uninvited. I didn't text a warning. No, I knocked on her door and I brought her a Red Bull and I brought her a comb and I said, put some makeup on your face because you're coming with me to church. God is not done with you. He has plans for your life. He's going to heal you. You're not going to be stuck where you're at right now. Why? Because I'm a good friend and he's a good savior and you're coming with me. We need people in our lives that we don't shut out, but we leave the door open so they can come into my mess. Because believe it or not, God is not the only one that wants to get into your mess. There are going to be people who want to roll up their sleeves and help you out. I love this church. I love what God is doing in Avenue. I love what God is doing in the city of Las Vegas because there are people that need to be reminded that there is more to come. So let's try this again. That is the, the mantra of our entire series. Let's have another go at it. Let's have a do-over. Let's have a second chance. And so if you're here today and you're saying, Lindsay, I don't know if I can get up. I've been down for a while, but I hear what you're saying. I believe the Bible is true. I do believe there's a God, even if I feel like he's far, I know he's there. What I'm going to ask you to do in just a moment is I'm going to ask you to get up because I believe that that is exactly what God wants for your life. That is what God did in Elijah's life. That is what God is going to do in your life. And I believe that as we stand up physically, we're taking a stand spiritually that we're proclaiming over our lives that God isn't finished yet, that my story is not done being written, that there is more to come. So as we begin to play the music and as we begin to increase our volume, if that is you today and you are saying, Pastor Lindsay, I know that I know that I know that he wants me to get up then I want you to stand right now. If you are sitting next to somebody who you're like, son, you need to get up. I know your story. I know what you're going through and you are lying right now. I want you to help that person get up because God is not finished with us. If you would just raise your hands for a moment. We're saying, Jesus, I am choosing. I am choosing to believe that you have more for me. I'm choosing to believe that my situation is not too bleak, that my game is not over, that you have plans, declares the Lord, not to harm me, but to prosper me, to give me a hope and a future. So I declare over my life that I am righteous. I declare over my life and I believe that no matter what somebody has spoken over me, if somebody has said that I'm a failure, no, my failures do not determine my future. My failures do not define who I am. I am a child of God. I am a woman of God. I am a man of God. I'm a person of integrity. I'm a person of character. I'm a person of peace.
purity. I'm a person that has a call of God on my life. I'm a person with purpose. So Father, we ask you right now in the name of Jesus that you would be louder, your voice would be louder than any other voice in our life, that we would hold tight, that you love us, that you have plans for us, that you have not swept us to the side or cast us out because we're not good enough. No, you are what is good in me. So in the mighty name of Jesus, I speak over every person in this room, every child in Avenue Kids, and I say that this is the year that I find out who I am. This is the year that God shows me what I am capable of doing. If I am moved by his spirit, if I am walking in his ways, nothing is impossible. So God, I ask right now in the name of Jesus that you would give us strength, that you would give us courage to walk this out. I will not forget what was said to me today, for tomorrow I'm going to live it. When I walk out this place, I'm going to live it. And my year is going to be different. In the mighty name of Jesus, if you believe it, say amen and amen.